I'm Joe Dante. Legendary director Joe Dante. And I'm Josh Olson. Oscar-nominated screenwriter Josh Olson. And nobody loves movies as much as we do. Nobody's sane. And we have a podcast. Each episode, we track down other filmmakers, comedians, rock stars, authors, and artists, and talk to them about movies. But not about their movies. Everybody does that. We talk to them about the movies they love and the movies that have, well... Made them who they are. Which is why we call our show The Movies That Made Me. From legendary giants to this year's Oscar winners. We know them all and we've seen them all. So check out The Movies That Made Me, the movie lovers podcast. Available everywhere you find good podcasts. Well, actually, it's, a, it's available wherever you find podcasts, even the bad ones. But ours is really good. That's the idea. Light the fuse. Well, this is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Difficult should be a walk in the park for you. Uh, it's all got to do with the rabbit's foot. Please don't make me go through you. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny, and he has made you his mission. Kittredge, you've never seen me very upset. And you really think we can do this? We're going to do it. Welcome to Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast. Once again, this is Drew Taylor, joined, as always, by Charles Hood. I think I'm getting into a little groove of a minor league baseball announcer. And Charles, how do we feel about that? I'm feeling great. (laughs) That's great. We should just, uh, yeah, let's do these episodes like we're just calling a minor league baseball game. I think it could be... It could unlock something, you know. I think that could really be the special <laughs> sauce. Um, but right now, I'm seeing a home run coming out with Eddie Hamilton Part Three because he is a, he is a star player, and we are so excited to have him back for this. Oh, we got a streaker on the field. Oh, oh we my stop, god, we gotta stop. We gotta stop play today. Oh, it's the second streaker oh, we've had. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry. Yes. Okay. We got uh, Eddie Hamilton. We don't have a streaker. We have Eddie Hamilton. Eddie Hamilton, who is a star player, one of the key members of the Mission Impossible creative team. Yeah. And I don't know anything about baseball, so I don't really have great metaphor for what Eddie would be on a baseball team, but he would be, uh, he'd be, a, he'd be a heavy hitter. Let's oh, say that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know. Yeah. Heavy. <laughs> the heaviest of hitters. And, uh, yeah, we're talking more. We're 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 in depth here about Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, which you can download from whatever you know retailer you want. And also, there's a a Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K Ultra HD disc coming out at the end of the month. So that that's October 31st for you at home. So yes, you know, and both both the digital release and the uh, the disc are loaded with special features. You get some good stuff there. Yep, and uh, you got to check that out. It's, it's uh, always great to have those behind the scenes peaks you know to see how it's all done oh we love a good peak and we love eddie hamilton so should we just get right into it charles or i think we should i think it's time yeah oh and i also just want to say that uh, we jump right in here into the middle of our conversation with eddie we're finishing up our chat about uh you know a certain major character's uh fate um in the movie so uh just uh continuing that and uh here we go it's like we're rounding third base oh if you will yes 
And we're headed for home. We're headed for home with Eddie Hamilton. So get ready, and we'll be back right after. So I know that the audience is wants to grieve, but they don't want to be in that emotion for too long. You know, they are keen to get on with the story. And so we were we modulated that. So there was a version that was longer. And 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 again, I'm compressing time out of certain lines of dialogue to try and get to the bit where she says, if there's anything I can do to help. And then he goes, That's what we want to talk to you about, which is where we kind of change gears back into, into kind of mission. But we don't. We don't use any music. We we leave the music. It's very dry there. You're just letting the scene play out. And you get the great thing about, you know, um, at one time or another, each of us was in a similar situation to yours and each of us was offered the choice. I love that we're remythologizing this idea of the choice as something that you're offered to join the IMF on the seventh movie of the series. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's such a great idea from McHugh. It's just genius. I love it so much. And the fact that you're seeing Grace get offered the choice by Ethan. And you know that in the past, Ethan was in some kind of trouble and Kittredge came to him and offered him the choice. And Benji was offered the choice and Luther was offered the choice. So you're seeing a bit of the backstory of those other characters play out through the character of Grace in this movie, which is so clever. And it's such great writing from McHugh. I absolutely love it. And the fact that, you know, half the audience hasn't seen a Mission Impossible film. So we have to explain in the DNI who they are and get the great line about the International Monetary Fund, which everyone has been, you know, mentioning for years. It's like the IMF, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> That's the international. So we just hang a lantern on it and have fun with that. Which, which I thought was great as well. I love that that little bit of humor there, at that point in the film when the guy when the guy is literally like opening the briefcase and handing the gas mask to Kittredge, and you're like, shit, what's going on? This is really weird. What is happening? Who is this guy? Is he the entity? He's like, what? How, what's going on? You know. Anyway, um, we we play that scene with Grace Dry, the the scene where she's offered the choice, you know, and then he says, we offer you the choice to come with us and be a ghost. Then the music starts and then you go into that awesome one where we do the mask machine. Um, and it's so cool the way that they they did that one with two stitches. And it's it's you don't even realize that you've seen a mask gag until Vanessa Kirby walks up to the mirror and you're like, holy shit, that's clever. They've, they've changed Grace into the into the widow very elegantly. And then the music's kind of builds up and up over the train. And then you get the amusing kind of interruption where she goes, wait, 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 you know, uh, and you jump off the train and what happens to me and all that stuff, you know. So that's that's talking a little bit about that scene with at the end of Venice, you know, the big spoiler. <laughs> what does Shay Wiggum say to himself when he when Ethan gets away? You see his mouth moving, but the music is over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did various versions of that. We had a version where he unloaded his gun you know, like Martin Riggs does in Lethal Weapon, just like... <laughs> like that. And and obviously he's never going to hit Ethan because of the wind and, you know, it's impossible to aim at someone in, on a speed wing. No, I'm talking about in in Rome. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, sorry, Rome, sorry, was, in Rome. Is that the yeah. F word maybe? Where in Rome? <laughs> Hang on. In the car, when they when, when uh, he's in the car and, and the, the train just, you know, hit the hit the Fiat and, and Cruz gets away. Oh, yes. 
He's saying the, isn't the he? he's saying the F word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely saying the F word. But you can't hear it. Yeah, yeah. So so it doesn't count against you for the for the rating. Oh, I think that might have been our one F word for the PG thirteen, but it was we didn't want to, you know, hang around. We didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Right, right. Interestingly, okay. the guy in the airport who Briggs did you pick up on Briggs, by the way, Dan Briggs? I'm sure you all picked up on that. You all know uh, what yes, you're doing. Of yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to get to the bottom of why his yeah. name is... You I you won't find out. It's Jasper his, Briggs. Jasper but. Briggs is his name. Yeah, you'll figure it'll all come... It'll all start to make sense later, I think. Yeah, I mean, he says it's personal, so... Yeah, he does. And actually, that, that line, we had out of the movie for a long time. And that was one with, with Briggs and Degar walking out of the Osprey. That was one of our bits where we were like we don't need this we have to just get them into the airport as quickly as possible and that 12 seconds where they walk out of the osprey it actually has the the produced by credit you know on it now because we moved the credits to the airport initially they used to play over the guy walking in the dni or they used to play over the desert like i had the credits all over the place i tried so many different versions but when when briggs walks up to the the guy in the blue suit at the airport you've got the great manipulation you know of of the um the cctv where the 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 agent in the osprey thinks that ethan is right in front of them because she can see ethan there and the face recognition is has picked him out but but then when you spin around you realize that shit something's happened and like what what's going on there's there's a guy with a beard and it's not ethan he's wearing the same color suit and he reaches for the you know he tries to pull his face off the italian came out with all kinds of expletives that were totally inappropriate that we only <laughs> discovered, like, again, in the last couple of weeks of the final mix, because we got an Italian to come and translate what he was saying. When I was editing <laughs> the scene, I don't really know what it is. I just put together the best sounding kind of, like, most intense shouting that the guy did. And they were like, wait, 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 this is... Whoa, whoa, we can't have this in the film. This is going to, like, <laughs> totally blow past our PG-13 rating in a second. Um, so we had to, you know, strip, go back into his deliveries and take out all the swear words, but I, you know, and, and then I, I will say that the idea of, uh, you know, when, when it's the scene with Kittredge, when they go, Mr. Kittredge, what are you doing here on the train? And he reaches over and tries to pull Kittredge's face off. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, um, Shay Wiggum's idea, but they filmed his coverage at the end of the day, right? So they did Kittredge first and then they turned around and did Shay and Tarzan. And he said, wouldn't it be funny if I reached forward and tried to pull Kittredge's? And and Chris was like, yes, that would be great. But we've, you know, Vanessa Kirby's gone home, so we can't turn around and Henry's gone home, so we can't turn around and do that. So the next day they got everybody back and they did the close-up of Kittredge. And I think it's a double, a double for Vanessa Kirby because it's only her legs there. But they did the shot of him reaching in and trying to pull his face off, which, again, is quite fun. Amazing. Um, and another, you know, delicious piece of of improvisation and, and discovery, which Chris and Tom lean into, as you know, full well. The mission briefing is the first time that we've had a mission briefing interrupted by something emotional and not informational, which is the flashback to Ethan's... Correct. ...trouble. Correct. Very, very astute, yes. That... Must have been that must have taken a lot of trial and error because also the narration, too, is not like you're going to Egypt to get a bomb. It's about you were, you know, you got yeah. into trouble before and all that stuff. So, yeah, there's even a flash forward in there, too. There's a shot of, of Rebecca Ferguson from later in the movie. 
It's actually that's interesting. It's it is it, well, it was from one <laughs> of the. You're correct. It is a flash forward, but it's actually just a. It's it's like a st- another stunningly beautiful shot of Rebecca Ferguson. You know, <laughs> where she was looking out the window, and that was in the Venice safe house for a whole different scene that got cut out. Where. I'll tell you a fun story, but we did we did that and that that shot was insisted upon by by Chunky Richmond, the op, the camera operator. He he held up the camera and saw Ilsa stood at the window, and he went, "McHugh, I'm just rolling on this for ten seconds. She looks stunning," and so that is what we ended up using in the mission brief. But you're correct; we wanted to introduce the character of Ilsa now. So the mission brief. <laughs> So again, up until like three weeks before we finished editing, after two years, it the mission brief used to come over amazing shots of Ethan riding through the desert. And it was all superimposed over the desert, right? So you saw all these beautiful images like burning in and out over the desert. We did a whole thing. And it just didn't feel right for Mission. It just didn't feel like our movie. It was just too designy and didn't work. And so then we decided to do this very analog version of a Mission Brief, which is basically a tape recorder, like a dictaphone and photographs, which is traditionally, it's really simple and it's kind of very analog, which this movie has to be. But we did have the flashback to Marie and the other introduction to Ethan that didn't work featured a bit more of Marie as a character. It was a brilliant scene, stunningly well acted, brilliantly written. But it was a too much of a gear change at the very beginning of the movie. We had a whole other introduction with Ethan walking through a market and it was really great. Beautiful shots. In fact, in the first trailer, I think there's a shot of Ethan, a close-up with a red background. That was from that scene that has ended up being cut out. That was the scene, I believe, also that our dogs appeared in, but were cut out as well. Okay. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All yeah. right, buddy. Uh, yeah, yeah, for James Mather, the uh, the sound genius, we he's got sounds of our dogs barking. <laughs> there you go. That could be I heard, it. We yes. heard that Tom didn't no, like it. In you're the, right. In the you're right. Briefing. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that was where we had dogs barking. We're trying right. to get that, we're trying to sneak sneak our dogs into the movie. <laughs> Again, some of that will be in the deleted. I'll, I'll make sure the dogs get in there. Don't worry. There's plenty of dogs in the next film. We'll we'll put dogs. There's dogs in every scene in the next film. There's okay, dogs. good. As long, they're, they're really uh, this is, like they recruit like a hundred dogs to join the team. So it's oh fine. You're going to be. Fine. I, I hope you're not. I hope you're not joking because you know how much we love dogs on this show. We love we dogs. Don't worry. Dog cinema. The dogs are hoping this is their big break. Dogs so are going to be please. great, but but we will make sure that your dogs. We'll we'll try and sneak them in there in the next one. Okay. We'll be back with more from Eddie Hamilton after the break. Hi, I'm Joe Dante. Legendary director Joe Dante. And I'm Josh Olson. Oscar-nominated screenwriter Josh Olson. And nobody loves movies as much as we do. Nobody's sane. And we have a podcast. Each episode, we track down other filmmakers, comedians, rock stars, authors, and artists, and talk to them about movies. But not about their movies. Everybody does that. We talk to them about the movies they love and the movies that have, well... Made them who they are. Which is why we call our show The Movies That Made Me. From legendary giants to this year's Oscar winners. We know them all and we've seen them all. 
So check out the movies that made me the movie lovers podcast. Available everywhere you find good podcasts. Well, actually, it's, a, it's available wherever you find podcasts, even the bad ones. But ours is really good. That's the idea. The, the opening was a challenge. We had this other scene with Marie and it, it, it turned into a very simple flashback. The other thing that's really important is, is which you'll hear McHugh and Tom talk about, is, is getting hooked into the character of Ethan really quickly at the start of the movie and, and referring back to his past, which is obviously for fans a big deal. Um, you know, that he was arrested or going to jail and he took the choice to join the IMF and you see his his you know the 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 arrest warrant uh, I think it's arrest warrant or or it's his like mugshot you know you see his mugshot very briefly which is so <laughs> he looks beautiful in that mugshot by the this, way this is a real this is, is a real this is a real inside baseball little tip for you but this is the kind of thing that needs to be on the pod right that is Ethan's dossier photo from the original Mission Impossible from 1996, right? But his hair from Days of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's amazing because we couldn't take a shot of Ethan from another movie at the time that wasn't a Paramount movie, you know? So we, we, we couldn't go to like, what's the Ron Howard one? Damn it. Far and away. away. Far and away, like we couldn't take a photograph from far and away because it's not it's not a Paramount movie, you know. So we did look at lots of photographs of Tom Cruise from that era. Like we could have used something from Rain Man, but that wasn't Paramount either. So um, or Cocktail, you know, any of those. But so that that's a little thing there that we again we 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 came up with that idea right near the end. But in order to get hooked into the character of Ethan, you want to start feeling something a bit like we did with the with the nightmare at the beginning of fallout you know you have this sense of him carrying around the weight of his ex-wife you know in his mind and the and the danger that she he puts her in and stuff and it's similar to marie in a way the character of marie who died and he tried to save her and he couldn't get to her in time which obviously is a theme that we we return to later in the film and will be explored further in obviously part two and so that was the way to get us hooked into Ethan in the mission brief. So it's not all just information. You know, you have some sense of a relationship with this woman in his past and this guy, this kind of slightly faceless, you know, Esai Morales, who you realise in the airport, you know, when we flash back to it, you're like, Ethan gets a flash and goes, shit, was that this? Wait, wait a second. Did I just see this guy from like 30 years ago pop up in the airport? What's going on? But that was a way to basically get us hooked into to Ethan emotionally so that you have you 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 start to connect with him as a character right up front, you know, which was very important in these films. But it was a different challenge than having to just say the plutonium is in a safe house. Yeah, it's it's a very short it's a short mission briefing. You know, I I think the mission one briefing is like the same length or maybe even slightly shorter. You know, the one with Phelps on the plane you know, Alexander Galitzin and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> originally, originally uh, McHugh did the voiceover, of course, because he loves to do it. But then it had to be Kittredge because it comes full circle with Kittredge at the end, you know. So so there's a there's a nice uniformity to that. But McHugh is the guy on the phone calling Kittredge. That is correct. 
right. McHugh is the guy. Originally, it was Eric <laughs> Jenderson on the phone, who's the co-writer, who I'm sure you'll get on the pod at some point, who is a hoot. He's the best. I love him. I love him. We we worked together, obviously, very closely on this movie for years. So, But he's terrific. He's, a, he's so funny. He's so dry and... He's a, a brilliant writer. He um, he recorded the voice uh, that that Kittredge was talking to, and then that lived on the movie for like two years. And then eventually, it wasn't quite right. It wasn't quite what McHugh was after, so he ended up doing it himself. There is also a visual cameo from McHugh, which you will have to really pay attention to because it's very short. Interesting. It is not. It's on the train. I will tell you that. Uh, he is one of the passengers on the train. Okay. But it, he's literally in the film for like l- less than half a second. It's not like in uh, Rogue Nation where he sat in the train station, you know, in the big wide shot. And you see him sat there as Ethan is walking in to find Ilsa in Rogue Nation. But um, he is there. So next time you see the film, see if you can see his little uh, director's cameo there. But it is, it's blink and you'll miss it blink and you'll miss it exactly wow well i think we've exhausted have your I time witted on yeah. long enough witted on long well, enough. well i i have we have we have 500 more questions for you but yeah you know um <laughs> another time as always and yeah i mean we we should bring up your motto which is if you can't solve it dissolve it there's a lot of dissolves in here Eddie. <laughs> there are dissolves here's another thing for you okay <laughs> the, the dissolves. So there are long dissolves. I will tell you something very important about the opening of the movie. At the end of the desert scene, Ethan walks in and finds Ilsa lying face down on the ground. Okay. We cut to Ethan. He pulls off his 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 um his head and, and he just he he's like despondent that he hasn't managed to save her. We dissolve through to the entity on the TV screen in the DNI. Now that's very important. If we had cut to an establishing shot of Washington DC, and then we'd cut into the DNI, the audience does a kind of mental reset. There's a chapter in the audience's mind at the movie at that point. And it's the opening of the movie and we're trying to keep it fluid. So we do not cut we dissolve through. So you feel like the two scenes are connected in some way. And they are because two thirds of the way through the through that scene, we revisit the desert and we tell you what happened after that. And we realize that Ethan and Ilsa are, are alive and well. They managed to fake her death and he ended up with the key. Now, it's great because it puts Ethan in control of that scene with Kittredge and you realise that they've bought this lie that Ethan set up and, you know, Kittredge thinks that she's dead. So Ethan is well and truly on top at that point. But that was a very important dissolve. Um, The other thing that's interesting, a couple of other things is one, originally we had the resolution of the desert at the end of Rome when he sees Ilsa in the van. Benji pulls up, Ethan gets in the van with Benji and then Ilsa's in the front seat because in the audience's mind, she's been dead for the whole first hour of the movie. Wow. And But we we jettisoned this idea way early because it was like, we can't do this to the audience because it's like, what happened to Ilsa? It's like, you can't... The, 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 there's that negativity of that emotion is hanging over the first hour of the movie. So you don't... You're like, what, what, what happened? You know, is she... What's going on? Yeah. So then we... 
and I tried cutting a version like that and it became clear very early that it was a massive downer and dragged the entire film down. So we actually had it playing as a continuous scene right there and then, and then they used to escape. There's also a, a brilliant shot of Gabriel and Paris walking out of the desert, of the desert of the sandstorm and seeing Ethan ride away and, 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 and Ilsa, Ethan run away and Ilsa ride away on the horse in two different directions. So you, we did also introduce their characters at that point in the film, even though they were heavily kind of headdressed and goggles, you recognized enough to know that they were like, pieces of work that were going to turn up later or antagonists of some sort like the music was telling you that they were they were antagonists so what's really interesting is during the flashbacks for example in the mission brief we use little one frame dissolve and two frame dissolves to go into ethan's memory so the cuts are blunted like they're just soft cuts rather than extended dissolves they're soft cuts and we do the same in the vip room when well in in the venice safe house when ethan's talking about somebody i should have killed a long or somebody i thought died a long time ago and we're, we're cross-fading to to gabriel in the venice safe house and you'll do you'll see this thing where we line the shots up so that their eyes are overlapping and cool shit like that all really nerdy editorial stuff that you that is there for people who want to freeze frame the home entertainment version but all of that was very carefully thought out. And we use the little two frame dissolves um, when Ethan is, when we're flashing to the entity in the nightclub as well. There are these little two frame dissolves just to make them soft and give them like a slightly weird, odd, dreamy feel. But yeah, they're all very carefully considered. There aren't a huge number of dissolves, but each one is there for a very specific reason. You know, we don't do anything without a very specific reason. You solved it and your answer was... To dissolve it. It was in that case, yes, sir. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god, we, we love that phrase. That's so great. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, Eddie, this is the end of. We're gonna have put a little title card up that says "End Part One" because this will we will have you back. End Part One. <laughs> yes, exactly. we'll be we'll be back with more for sure. Well said. Yeah, yeah. yeah at some yeah, point, we'll always be back. there's so much to talk about. Yeah, the, the movie is so epic. So there's there's so much more to dig into. We'll yeah, have to. yeah, yeah. No, I can't wait to and. um yeah, I mean, maybe next time. Well, you've got to get McHugh on and hear, hear. I mean, he'll have so many great stories to tell you guys. Um, and I love the the interview that we did with Tom and McHugh. I love the Simon Pegg interview you did when you got him to tell that story of flicking the car, the car heated seats on in Morocco. <laughs> yeah. that, is such, that is such a great story. It is so, so funny. It is so funny. One day I should show you the out. Have I ever shown you the outtake of Ethan and Benji in the washing machine rig? that they built. Yes. So I've, yes. I've shown you that, right? It's, yeah. it's a great outtake. It's, it's so much fun. And another example of the fun that the crew were having, you know, to mess around with them um, in that scene, you know, oh my word, it was great. And I love well, the we fact really that- We really appreciate it. Yeah, go on, go on. Sorry, wrap up. No, I, I, I just want to say that I've come to terms with you cutting my favorite shot out of the movie, mostly. So, you know, that's- What was your favorite water shot? Water Under the Bridge. What the, was your favorite shot? The, the super long shot through the kind of 80s IMF that started, you started in the actual catwalks of the studio and walked down with Carrie Elway's yes, and Kittredge going through. Yes, that was through. a great... Now it's about 10 seconds long, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a great... Uh... That was a great shot. Um, that'll be in the deleted shots reel. You'll see it. Yeah, thank God. It, oh, it good. Will be in great. There. People yeah, will see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I hope people Amazing. will see it. Yeah. Awesome. All right, well, come back. Please promise us you will come back. I love you guys. Anytime. I'm always here for you. Thank you for everyone out there. Thank you all the fans for watching the movie. You know, wherever you're listening to this, 
Uh, I wish you well if you're in the gym or driving to work or walking the dog or whatever it is. I, that's what I'm doing. Actually, do you know what I'm doing? I'm just watching m- many, many hours of Mission Impossible dailies when I listen to the show. Whenever it comes out every week, I'm, I, I, it's like one of the first things I do. on. It's Tuesdays now, right? So the first thing I do on Tuesday morning when I'm firing up the Avid is to put on Light the Fuse and listen to all the good stuff that you've got there. So it's like we're there with you. Exactly. No, no, no. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, 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 I love it. I just love it. It's a great show. Thanks for all your hard work on it. And I'm so thrilled that it's all legitimate and it's really cool. You deserve so much praise for, for what you've done with this show uh, and and the amount of love you've shown us as filmmakers. It's so appreciated. Thank you. Oh, Eddie, please. (laughs) <laughs> please you're making you us blush you got it we'll, we'll talk to you very soon I'm sure thank you guys alright bye bye thank you so much and we're back Charles Hood is wearing the uniform and telling us what's what in this wait is the the so your your color commentator in the booth is wearing the uniform we're really bad at this oh yeah that, that wouldn't make sense yeah you're not on the field you're in the you're in the booth with me oh boy this metaphor good lord well we're back that's the that's the main thing and and good thing we don't call baseball games <laughs> but we are available if you need us just give us a ring we'll be there yeah for sure for a free hot dog we'll do anything <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need. Free hot dog. Uh, Charles, episode three. What do you think? What, what give us? Yeah, it was great. Obviously, amazing always to talk to Eddie and to dive deep into all things Mission Impossible. Uh, just to give some context for Dan Briggs, we were talking about that. If if anyone doesn't know him, I'm, I'm sure we've talked about this plenty of times in the show. But Stephen Hill's character in the first season of the old show, uh, you know, from 1966, the first season was the character Dan Briggs. And he was the IMF leader. He was the Jim Phelps before Jim Phelps was there. And uh, yeah, we have to find out how Jasper Briggs relates to Dan. Uh, you know, Jasper Briggs being Shea Wiggum's character. And it sounds like maybe we will find out in part two. Maybe Eddie sounded like he was saying that, maybe. He, you know, there's that great line in the movie where he says that he, he doesn't know him personally, but this is personal. Yes. So what does that mean? What does that mean? It's got to mean Something. something. Yeah, we got to find out. Can't wait to find out. Cannot wait. Um, yeah, and also it was great to hear him talk about that shot of Ilsa looking out the window in the Venice safe house that was used in the mission briefing. Because there's a shot that's used, it's from that same coverage in the opening title sequence. And there was a conversation on Twitter happening about it where there were people, they were discussing, you know, was this a deleted scene or what is it? And, and, and you know, so it's, it looks like it's from that same coverage of, of it sounds like, they, you know, they just kind of stole a shot of Rebecca Ferguson because she just looked great in the light there. And then they ended up, they ended up using it in the mission briefing. It's cool. Yeah, that mission briefing is really interesting. Um, yes, as you've pointed out how it's. It's more. It's emotional for the first time. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we'll see if they maintain that in part two, or if they were going to get an entirely different kind of mission briefing. Yeah, I know. It's also like it's part two, so it's like, is he going to get a mission briefing in part two? It's interesting to think about. I don't know. I would hope so. So I yeah. feel like isn't that what McCory said that in, that that uh, Tom Cruise said that in every mission movie there has to be a he has to get a mission. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a that's a prerequisite. So I would assume, well, he, in some way or another, they'll do it. But maybe they'll play with it. We'll see. It'll be cool. 
Um, also, this is the most important thing that came out of this conversation. Eddie said that there are plenty of dogs in the next film. And I don't know if he was joking. Well, we did see... Because you know we love dogs on this show. Didn't we see set photos or something where they were... So, yeah, somewhere on Instagram. I think the cast yeah, members Instagram. were on Instagram. They were showing some of the... It was like sled dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. I really hope that this is true and it's not Eddie, you know, ruining our yeah. lives. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a dog in the series <laughs> since three. With anticipation, hoping that we get... I know, yeah, MI3 and Ethan's dog. Uh, so, yes, here's hoping. Hoping we get those dogs. Uh, and hopefully, hoping that this, the the our dogs will the sound of our dogs barking will sneak in there. Yeah, have we t- have we told people about that? We've talked about that before, haven't we? I don't think that's actually been talked about on the show. We have we have brought it up in several interviews over the last uh, year, but we always cut it out. And this is the first time we have not cut it out, I believe. So the, I think this is the first time people are hearing that our dogs almost made it into the movie. I know Tom didn't. Tom was not into our dogs barking. Uh, at the beginning, which is fine. <laughs> I think it was. I don't think it was our dogs. I think it just wasn't right yeah. in the movie. I think is what it was. And so you know, hey, hopefully there's always part two. Yeah, you know, they they still might be there underneath squeaking train wheels or something. Yes, but um, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was also interesting to hear uh, Eddie talk about mythologizing the choice and exploring the idea of joining the IMF. You know. And making you think about Ethan's original choice, and it's just kind of you know, it's like it's fa- it's fascinating to me that we've talked about this before, but like it's almost like it's a different. It's like the IMF is like a different. It's like a different setup for the IMF in yeah. this movie than there is in the other ones. It's almost like a the, the the part one and part two Dead Reckoning almost feel like they are outside of the series in some ways, even though they're a culmination of the whole series. It's like a reboot while also honoring the whole series. It's very interesting. Well, it's just proof that the series has such longevity and has. It always has something new to bring to the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it, Charles, for your wrap up? Do you want me to? I got one last thing. I'm sorry, but this is important. Of course, talking about 1996 Ethan's face matched with Cole Trickle's hair from Days of Thunder in that image that they made. So good. Is there anything, anything better than that? No. I don't think I've ever heard anything better than that. No, <laughs> not at all. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's it for me. So. If we want to wrap this up. Yeah, I got some business to attend to. First of all, I want to remind everybody the Mission Impossible Day Reckoning Part 1 right now is available from your fine digital retailer. If you use Vudu or Apple or wherever you get your movies, you can download it right now. There are brand new episodes of Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. And we want to remind people to follow us on social media at Light the Fuse Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And also to like, subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you're listening. So we'll be back next week, me, Charles, and you, for another new episode of Light the Fuse. Light the Fuse, the official Mission Impossible podcast, is produced by Charles Hood. That's me and Drew Taylor. Our supervising producer is Alexandra August. This episode was edited by Luke Burson with music by Kevin Blumenfeld. Original Mission Impossible themes by Lalo Schifrin. This podcast is a production of Paramount Pictures. All rights are reserved. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Hi, 
I'm Joe Dante. Legendary director, Joe Dante. And I'm Josh Olson. Oscar-nominated screenwriter, Josh Olson. And nobody loves movies as much as we do. Nobody's sane. And we have a podcast. Each episode, we track down other filmmakers, comedians, rock stars, authors, and artists, and talk to them about movies. But not about their movies. Everybody does that. We talk to them about the movies they love and the movies that have, well... Made them who they are. Which is why we call our show The Movies That Made Me. From legendary giants to this year's Oscar winners. We know them all and we've seen them all. So check out The Movies That Made Me, the movie lovers podcast. Available everywhere you find good podcasts. Well, actually, it's, a, it's available wherever you find podcasts, even the bad ones. But ours is really good. That's the idea.